0: You've heard of Huntley and Brinkley, McNeil and Lehrer, Simon and Garfunkel, Bob and Ray. Now here's Michigas and Malarkey. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How are you?
1: Good. How you doing?
0: Okay. This is season four, episode nine, also known as episode 70 also known as missing episode 58 also known as new york days wow yeah
1: so, th- a- so this is a a special episode i gather
0: yes it a, is a
1: special holiday uh holiday present
0: yeah yeah happy thanksgiving hope you had a good good day
1: Yes, I did. I hope, hope you did.
0: We did, yes. And uh, so this kicks off the holiday season, and I thought it would be a good idea to kind of tie up some loose ends because uh, a dozen episodes ago, we unintentionally skipped episode 58, and then we said, hey, well, maybe someday we'll – the missing episode 58. And then in the last most recent episode we did, we were sort of reminiscing about New York. So I thought, hey, why not tie up all the loose ends? And uh, it's really, in a way, just a part two of episode one. <laughs> because I- we... Uh- yeah. I've
1: I, I've been here for all of them, and I'm confused. So, yeah, uh,
0: it's yeah. like a it's like a um, uh, Mobius strip or something because uh, episode one, which was September of 2021, if you can believe that, uh, we told the origin story about the two of us meeting at Rolling Stone magazine in the 1980s. What did we did we figure out what year exactly that was?
1: Well, I I started there in 83, so I guess it was, yeah, it would have been then, yeah.
0: All right. So I I started in 81, and you came on in 83. So here we are 40 years later, right? And uh, we were, you know, we've talked about uh, Rolling Stone a few times, you know, all of the hijinks that we were up to there. Um, But, uh, you know, the last uh, most recent episode, we were talking about some places that uh, we enjoyed that we didn't think uh, still existed, you know, bygone days. So, um, why don't we uh, tell the story? I mean, when did so? So, you first arrived in New York City in what year?
1: Uh, well, I, you know, had had visited the city as a kid and you know, as yeah. a teenager, but to, to actually be uh, be living there would have been in the fall of 1976. So it was, uh, it it was an interesting time in the city. It was.
0: uh, Now, were you starting NYU? Is that right?
1: Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: And where did, where were you coming from? Uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh,
1: So, but the, yeah, the thing that was, uh, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today. It was like, you know, New York was always saying it was it was getting it together. It was on the upswing. It was remember the, I love New York campaign and all that, but the city was just a mess. I mean, it
0: was, Now was that Ford to New York drop dead around that, that time.
1: Yeah, that was, well, yeah, that headline would have actually been, I guess the year before.
0: Okay. But I mean, same, same era.
1: Right. Because in fact, I was thinking about this recently too, It was in the fall of 76 when, uh, I happened to meet Rosalyn Carter. Ooh. I, I was a volunteer for the Carter campaign. And wow. uh, my friend and I were volunteers at an event. And uh, at the end of the event, she came over and said hello to us and thanked us. And uh, and I, I I always remembered that because, you know, it's one of those things where you meet somebody and you think, well, you know, this, this is like, this is really sincere. You know, she's not just saying this. She really right. is is like thanking us. So, uh, when, when she passed away, uh,
0: the other day, a week
1: or so ago, yeah, or yeah. a few days ago, I, uh, I was thinking back to that.
0: Nice. So, now you, uh, so, so were you in the dorms at NYU?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, okay. I first lived in a dorm on university place. Right. And then, it, uh, for a few years after that, I lived in a dorm on, uh, 10th and Broadway.
0: Oh, so, so when did you go to Brooklyn?
1: Uh, well, that was, yeah, that was like uh, 1980. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, that's not so many years.
1: No, but uh, when, well, see, that's the other, yeah, when I moved to Park Slope, Park Slope was still, uh, well, it was still Park Slope. Now it's like yeah. <laughs> Beverly Hills.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, and I mean, that, that's you, like you a of course, strange... you were smart enough to buy several units. Yeah, right, back, right. Uh, right. Yeah. And that's how you got to retire to uh, Florida. But we'll get back to that. Um, so, uh, you were going to school and were you, did you go there for, you know, to study a particular subject, major?
1: Uh, well, I, I wanted to be a writer. So I figured that, I you know, being in the village was, of course, much sense. great. I, I knew nothing about college. I knew not, I knew nothing about anything. I just so figured were a
0: Rube. Be,
1: yeah, I figured there would be a good place to be. And, uh, wow. and, and and it was, you
0: know, did it open your, eye? Uh, I mean, did you, you know, have a lot of, uh. Uh, very eye-opening experiences
1: well yeah actually see I started working when I was a, a sophomore in college I mean mm-hmm. it, it, at NYU actually it was a pretty miserable experience oh. but um, I I got a job uh, you know working in the business as an editorial assistant when oh. I was a sophomore in college and where uh, uh, well uh, I was wor- actually I was working for a guy who just passed away a few weeks ago Steve Rubin who, who later became a big deal as a book publisher Uh but he had a small syndicate of writers and they needed someone to uh to like be the the like the office kid or whatever 40
0: years and i never knew this yeah i probably told you that
1: but um, uh any
0: other uh notable jobs or experiences there in the college like did you ever you know uh go out on a double date where it was just you and two ladies because i have a story like that
1: yeah right but the uh well, the, the one other job I had in college, it was kind of weird, was um, I worked as a messenger for a while. Oh, yeah, and, I did uh, too. Yeah. And, you know, like they don't have foot messengers anymore, I guess, because, you know, everything is just sent electronically. Yep. Um, so I used to have to carry documents around New York and, uh, yeah. you know, and one of our clients was NBC mm. and Uh, I worked for this messenger service. It was in Rockefeller Center. Wow. NBC was like one of their, their main clients. Yeah, that's great. And uh, I would work on Fridays. So I would often be sent to pick things up and bring things back to Saturday night live. Wow. So I could get into like the Saturday night live studio because I'd have to like find one of the producers or something and, and deliver stuff. So Lauren uh, Michaels, yeah i i guess i mean we were always picking things up and bringing them back sometimes you'd have to go to the office and sometimes they'd tell you to take it to the studio Wow. because uh friday was like the the rehearsal day
0: yeah so
1: um did you
0: see it bump into anybody when you were up there
1: oh yeah all the time yeah
0: i so i had uh,
1: yeah i had john belushi sign a messenger ticket for me wow and um
0: did you keep it
1: yeah you know i don't know what i ever did with it i i know oh, i, I had it for years but <laughs> um but the uh there's a famous bit where steve martin and gilda radner are dancing all over oh, yes and um i i was there on friday afternoon and they were like rehearsing that wow so the, i knew i knew this uh this gimmick where like I had a little, uh, folder full of messenger tickets. Yep. So if I like went into a corner somewhere and laid out a bunch of messenger tickets and acted yeah. like I was like tallying up <laughs> my tickets or something, everybody would just like, leave me alone. Cause they uh-huh. just say, Oh, this guy looks like he belongs here. He's like yeah. a messenger. He's figuring out his day's tickets or something.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So I, uh, yeah. So I hung around for a while and watched him rehearse that while pretending to, uh, to sort out my my, my messenger business well you see the thing is it, it, now there's like so much security that you can't get oh, away yeah. with stuff no like that. No, but, no 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 they,
0: they would they first of all the ever since the anthrax they pro- probably process mail across the river in new jersey
1: you know? <laughs> right exactly yeah uh-huh. but we, yeah we used to uh walk in and out. I mean we had to go through what at the time was heavy security, but you would just, you know, show your messenger stuff. Sure. And, you know, the guy was cool. you in. But
0: uh yeah. I we- worked as a bike messenger uh for a couple days. I think my father, you know, pulled strings to get me the job because the this service used to do a lot of work for New Times. Remember New Times magazine? Oh yeah, yeah. And I wanted to be in the, you know, magazine business. So uh, You know, I think for two or three days, I think I was working for this messenger service, but I I never realized that Broadway went diagonally. So I would get lost and uh, I'd come back two hours later to the office. They go, where were you? And I would say, I don't know. I started out on Broadway, like on the west side, but then I, I kind of ended up on the east side somehow, you know. So that ended pretty much ended my career as a bicycle messenger, but it's probably a good thing because I probably would have gotten flattened by a bus.
1: If, if we were on like a game show and, yeah. and somebody said like, you know, is it, you know, like something that, that, you know, Alan never did or so, you know, I, I right. would I'd like, I just can't fathom you being a, oh, yeah. a bicycle messenger yep. getting lost on Broadway. See, you didn't do it long enough to get like really insane. Like,
0: like no. the real
1: the real bike messengers were just absolutely right. crazy. But I mean,
0: the, the the taxis and everything they open the doors when you're riding by. Oh yeah, yeah, it's very dangerous. Anyway, then I went on to um, a couple. I think the first job. Well, when I was in college, I I arrived in uh, nineteen seventy seven. So uh, like in January of 1977, because I transferred over to Columbia and I was living in the village with uh, a buddy of mine on Thompson Street. It was a seventh floor walk up and we paid three hundred and seventy five dollars that we split. So um, those were the good old days. And one of the jobs I had was in the planetarium gift shop. And, you know, sometimes you'd see a celebrity come in there. I think I saw uh, Anne Bancroft with, uh, you know, her son by uh, Mel Brooks, right? And, uh, you know, used to hang out and uh, interact with the classes of school kids a lot of you know uh, fun uh, interactions with them also worked at the bookstore Marloff's paperback corner in uh, Sheridan Square. Do you remember that?
1: Oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Sure, yeah
0: and uh, that's where one night a guy came in and brought a uh, an armful of black Sparrow press editions to the uh, to the cashier where I was working. And uh, hand me his Amex card. It said Lou Reed. Yeah,
1: there you
0: so go. That was, that was another brush with greatness. And uh, one day I was walking in um, Sheridan Square and stopped at a red light. I don't know if I've told the story. And I noticed that John and Yoko, I think it was like in the late 70s or maybe even 1980, um, were stopped, you know, were waiting to cross with me. And I looked over at them and kind of mumbled to myself, oh, so that's what they're up to. And, uh, you know, and then we crossed the street together. I never actually uh, spoke to them. Uh, what else did I do? I did. I did have a date with two women. I took them to uh, uh, to to a place called the Jazz Cultural Theater for the Sunday Jazz Brunch, which took place, I think, at about two a.m. You know, Saturday night into Sunday, and uh, that was definitely a memorable evening. Feel free to cut in anytime.
1: No 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 uh, that's I'm I'm still uh I'm processing I'm, you know, I'm still processing bicycle messenger
0: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> well to me it's
0: the it's the uh double date with two women that was uh, kind of the more uh atypical but uh what else did we do let's see so we got to rolling stone we've covered that in the past and then i keep uh forgetting when you left i left in i think it was 85 So when, when did you, yeah.
1: Yeah. I was like late 85. It would have been. Okay. Before the holidays. Yeah.
0: And then I went over to uh, Staten Island. I sublet my village apartment to uh, Sheila, who was uh, the random notes editor and later became a uh, celeb in her own right for a number of reasons, but I'll preserve her privacy. And, um, uh, and I went to Staten Island. I worked for the newspaper and uh, you had a uh, you had a note here about any New York crime stories. So uh, as a reporter, I was once assigned after the uh, who was it that got uh, killed at Sparks State Club, which which mob boss was Oh, that?
1: Paul Castellano.
0: Yes. And he yeah, well, he Staten was Island.
1: a Staten Island resident, of course. Yes.
0: Yeah. And, and many of them were. And uh, so they, the editor in chief that night sent me to his house to uh, get the local angle and uh, ring, they, they told me, ring the doorbells of the neighbors and ask them for, uh, for uh, you know, reaction. So I, uh, you know, there's like a whole gaggle of reporters and things camped out in front of Castellano's house. So I go next door and ring the doorbell and I, you know, and then somebody over the intercom, a woman says, uh, who is it? What do you want? And I said, I'm just uh, from the newspaper asking you about, you know, how you feel about your neighbor, Mr. Castellano. And then she starts a stream of expletives and, uh, you know, it explained uh, it was explained to me later on. That was his daughter's house. Oh, yeah. Well, so
1: so you're uh, I'm a rookie. Well, you're lucky, to, uh, lucky to be alive. Lucky to be walking, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. And you had an experience with crime in New York.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I might have mentioned this once. Um, I was in a restaurant in, I think it was February of 1978. I remember it was a cold night and it was a late night. I was with my girlfriend and with another couple and I, I think we worked for one of the student newspapers and I think we had had to go up to the printers and do proofreading or something. Right. So we came back to the village and we went to get something to eat like late, like, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And we're sitting in this restaurant on, um, I think it was on, on the corner of third and Sullivan, the restaurant's not there anymore, mm. but, uh, you know, we're talking and you know, it's like, uh, you know, the four of us are just talking about whatever. And I hear this, like, it sounded like an explosion. And I thought something blew up outside. I thought like a truck backfired or something. Right. And I, I turned and I looked out the window and I couldn't see, like, you know, we were sitting by a, a window in the restaurant right in, in a booth and I didn't see anything outside. And then I heard someone in the restaurant scream mm. and I turned around and there was all this smoke like up like by the front of the restaurant uh-huh. and here a guy had walked into the restaurant and fired a bullet into the ceiling wow uh to get everyone's attention which if, sounds if, like if,
0: something out of pulp fiction
1: it was crazy yeah so the so the guy starts screaming he uh you know he wanted everybody to throw their money on this table like up in the front of the restaurant and he, and he right. was like waving the gun around like you know with was right. a little
0: uh and this is crazy because that's that's like a heavily italian area like uh, close to little italy and you wouldn't think that somebody would dare to to do that who was the guy
1: well i don't think they ever caught the guy i mean he was just some you know i guess he was some you know guy who needed money for drugs or something right but um it was a a white guy with short hair and a mustache and he was wearing like a members only type jacket like one of those like kind of like, you know, I don't know. Nondescrib- Sounds like maybe
0: he was trying to send a message to somebody.
1: Yeah, I don't know, but anyway, so like uh we had to throw money on the table. So like I, I the thing I remember vividly is all I had on me was like a $20 bill that I Ooh. thought was going to like, you know, pay for me and my girlfriend and then I'd have like a little left over for yep. the rest of the week, you know, right. that would be it. So I uh I threw the 20 on the table mm-hmm. and and it was just, it was scary because the guy was obviously really hyper and he had already fired the gun. I mean, you could see that there was like a hole in the ceiling. So, uh, you know, you knew it was real. And yeah. uh, so anyway, the guy like grabbed the money and he, the, the amazing thing was he had the guys from the restaurant, put the money from the register into a bag. Right. And then the guy, I guess who got so like hyped up. He grabbed the money off the table and he forgot to take the bag. Wow! And he ran. And um, he actually, the 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 other woman who was with us, uh, he told her to go with him. And he like what? walked. Yeah. And he. Oh uh, my gosh. He walked down to the. Uh, it was like a block or two to the West Fourth Street yeah. Station. He walked with her yeah and it was it was it was really cold there was snow on the street yeah i remember there was like snow on the street it had snowed a lot a few days before and it was really cold out so there was hardly anyone out on the street so um anyway he walked with her for like half a block or a block or so and then he cut her loose and he ran down to the subway
0: uh museums galleries movies theater brother theodore do you remember him
1: uh, yeah, I never went to see him, but I, I certainly,
0: uh, I, you knew I that knew... he had a one man show down there.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to walk by that all the time. I mean, they yeah. always had the sign out, in yeah, front of and yeah, the I, and I,
0: I actually went in and saw him there. I also saw the uh, the Wooster group. I don't know if what's his name was uh performing in that particular piece. Uh, Defoe, right? Willem Defoe, the uh uh performing garage the wooster group that's where he came out of i saw a few perform a few uh of their productions down in soho uh what else uh oh karen finley remember her
1: oh yeah, yeah performance sure. artist yeah
0: we we remember her every thanksgiving
1: yeah yes yes we certainly yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> i saw the uh Restored, you know, Cop- uh, Francis Ford Coppola restored uh, Napoleon. Abel Napoleon at Radio City Music Hall with the live orchestra. Used to love to go to the ziegfeld Theater and see all the, uh, you know, Star Wars movies there.
1: Yeah, I I went to uh, a screening of Apocalypse Now there. Wow, and uh, my my boss was going to be out of town and he had uh passes for the screening. So he told me to go see it. So my girlfriend mm-hmm. and I went and I mean, I, I had some idea what the movie was going to be about. Cause you know, we'd been in the news a lot and uh, yes. And the thing that was interesting is Neil Simon was sitting like in the row, like behind us and diagonally, mm-hmm. I recognized Neil Simon and there were, wow. and there were a bunch of other like celebrities in the screening. And, uh, it was one of those things where you know we there there were no reviews out yet because i guess some of the reviewers are actually in the room and mm-hmm. uh the movie playing at the end of it there was just like dead silence like nobody knew what to say you know it was <laughs> you know it was really wow it, it was it, it might have been in a way it might have been like the most um like impactful movie that i ever saw like with a crowd mm-hmm. you know like like when it sure. ended like nobody knew what what to say it wow was just like everybody was just completely uh completely stunned and yeah. and it's funny because there's so many things in that movie now that are like uh you know part of the popular culture of you know course. you know uh, cliches memes you know and mm-hmm. but when you know i can vividly remember seeing it all for the first time and just being wow that's you know, amazing stunned at, the Ziegfeld. at the zigfeld at the Zigfeld,
0: oh yeah yeah it was it, it was, was great place yeah when to, when the uh, doors started
1: another. playing on the soundtrack i mean it was um it was really something you
0: know no i i don't think that exists in, you know i mean the zigfeld i think is an event space now i don't know
1: yeah it's i not, i think it doesn't
0: continue as a movie theater
1: yeah i think you're right um mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they have uh, like corporate events there or something like that, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. Now, other places um, that no longer exist, I think uh, we were talking about some bars last time, but um, Max's Kansas City, where I got to see Patti Smith and television, Uh, CBGB, uh, where I guess I saw the Ramones there, but more memorable than that was the the, uh, show I went to with Kurt Loader. Uh, which I think I've spoken about, and then there were uh, all those other clubs like Danceeteria and uh, ones in the '80s, the ones in Soho, like Area, where strange things were happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. I think I think we saw the Minutemen at Danceeteria. Yes, we did. Was it Danceeteria or the Peppermint Lounge? It was. They were one or yeah,
0: the other. Right. Yeah,
1: and. um i think great show i think you and i saw the Mekons at cbgb's okay and i and i i remember seeing other things there but i don't sure like sometimes i'll like see some weird phrase in a headline or something like you know it's one of those jokes where uh it looks like the name of a band and i'll think you know yeah if if somebody told me i saw them at cbgb's i would just say yeah i guess i did You you
0: know. Uh, now, uh, I was making a list of places that I thought were gone, uh, and remembered a little hole in the wall called the Bagel that I liked a lot on, uh, you know, West Third or West Fourth or something. Um, but I used to go to the Yee Waverly Inn before uh, it was taken over by uh, what's his name, Graydon Carter. Uh, he turned it into a chic place, but it used to be like a like a kind of. Uh, fallen down sort of restaurant that was open for a long time but the uh the white horse is still there as far as i know um the old town bar i think is still there and also Finelli cafe right
1: i suppose yeah um yeah the old town um i worked i worked for a magazine that was on like 22nd street or 20 Mm -hmm. 21st street it was and uh we used to go to the old town cause it was just, you know, two blocks away.
0: Right. Um, I think it used to be in uh, featured in the opening to the David Letterman show. That's
1: right. Yeah. They yeah. had a, like, they had like a guy with a steady cam like walk through yep. the bar or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Um,
0: and Finelli still turns up, uh, I forget which, uh, which, which recent movie, uh, took place you know there was a scene taking place outside that and I've been in there recently so I, I mean a month or two or three ago it was still open Cafe Reggio did you have a favorite uh, coffee place uh, when you were down there?
1: Not not so much I mean yeah I remember going to those places but I never yeah what was it There was Figaro right um, yeah like around Bleeker so and McDougal there were a whole so was
0: there one called San something San, San Remo San, San something
1: there was a restaurant called sandalino's that was
0: yeah maybe that's what it was
1: like yeah west of sixth avenue that that i used to like going there because you could like order stuff um they had like blueberry pancakes like you Mm. could uh like no matter what time of day it was i right i think they catered to you know i think going back they catered to people who worked odd hours sure You you could buy like, like what would be a really nice breakfast at five in the afternoon, if
0: you wanted it. Yep. And uh, so, um, so after so Rolling Stone, you left, and we left in 85, right. Uh, and you continued on, I guess living in Brooklyn and working for magazines as a fact checker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going to different places. In fact, I, I, I think I mentioned this, I, I was, uh, I would do fact checking work for spy. And it was at the time that spy was like just completely obsessed with Donald Trump.
0: Yes. yes, And I I
1: remember like going on a date with a woman and like, you know, she was asking me, Oh, you know what, you know, what's it like to be in the spy office or something. Right. And I said, man, these people are like obsessed with this guy, Donald Trump. I said like, who, you know, like who the hell gives a shit about Donald Trump? (laughs) You know I mean? It was like, I, I, (laughs) <laughs> I mean we know. Really, I mean like looking back on it um you know, I guess I was the guy who was out of step but uh yeah. but no. I I there, I distinctly remember one day when Kurt Anderson and Graydon Carter and some other people were going on about Donald Trump in the office. Mm-hmm. And I would be there as a fact checker so it's like if somebody was out you would work at their desk. Right. You know, and they were very casual about like where anybody worked i mean it was kind Mm -hmm. of a like a you know pretty casual office so i remember i was sitting uh just coincidentally like at somebody's desk who was out that day and uh you know with my blue and red pencils doing you know my fact checking thing and these guys were going on about donald trump donald trump had been see people they used to mock donald trump and people would like i guess they had pretty much a network of people who would tip them off all the time to what he had done or what, mm-hmm. you know, horrendous thing he had done the night before. And these guys were going on about it. And it, and I, I just remember thinking to myself, like who, you know, who cares? I mean, my God. You yeah. Know? And then, you know, this story I told you, I said to this woman, God, I mean, like who gives a shit about Donald Trump? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me. These years later, like people are going to jail, uh, because of their devotion to him right you know like well, like if somebody had told me in like whenever that was 1988 89
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know that would happen i'd say yeah right you know the, the,
0: yeah what? he 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 failed up let's say
1: boy did he ever so-
0: did he ever? Um, and uh, so then, it, uh, I was asking when you left New York and what what was what was going on, you know, before you, just immediately before you left and how you decided to leave and so on.
1: Uh, I, I was just like scrambling around for work in New York, and uh, at the time, my father was was uh, fairly ill in Florida, so I thought mm-hmm. I would, you know, come down and stay with my parents for a while while my dad was sick, and then uh, right uh, he wound up recovering and actually living, you know, quite a while after that, thankfully, which was nice. But, uh, so I just, you know, I came down to Florida and then I kept, you know, thinking I'd go back and then, uh, I started working on the internet. So it didn't really matter where I was.
0: Right, right, right. So, and you you had, were you, had you left the same Brooklyn apartment where that you had always been in? Uh, is that where you moved out of?
1: no 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 i had no i had another apartment after that
0: i see. In, uh and we're in brooklyn yeah yeah like a
1: like slightly different neighborhood but still in brooklyn right. yeah mm-hmm. and uh so but you know it's it's weird like i you know like i'm always grateful that i lived in new york when i did but
0: right.
1: i i don't really know if i'd want to live there now you know to be honest right, right. it's like uh you know, so and, I, and I feel Did bad. You live like
0: there about fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But I, I feel bad for. Uh, like I, I know a, uh, a friend of mine's daughter had lived in New York, and uh, is no longer living there. And I, I don't really know the details, but I think it was just too difficult to, to like sure. live in the city. It's so expensive; you can't uh, live a normal life. You know.
0: That's right. Well, I mean, we kids. we didn't
1: live like normal lives, but we we. I mean, you know, we lived kind of wacky lives, I guess, but it was livable, you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't
0: like-, like... Yeah, you could pay the rent and, and eat, you know, with a good, decent job. Um, I don't know if that's the case anymore. So the kids, you know, I mean, it's just a kind of a migration thing where, uh, you know, we lived in the village, then we had to move to the East Village, then we had to move to Williamsburg, and then now they're, they're li- moving deeper into... Uh, into Brooklyn and Queens. Uh, that's where they're going.
1: Yeah, I know. See, it's, it's strange to me because when I lived in Brooklyn, there were like parts of Brooklyn that were really not very safe to go into. Right. And, right. uh, like,
0: and now we can't afford to live there. Right,
1: exactly. I mean, now, now yeah. you like you see in the paper, like some celebrity lives there or something. And you're like, what, what the hell are they doing there? You know.
0: Forget about it. You know. I mean, that was one of the reasons I went to Staten Island, because I wanted to see something different. Uh, but there were people moving to Hoboken, which is a nice place to live, although that's pretty price pricey now. And um, other other parts that, you know, of of New Jersey that are, you know, kind of near to commutable to the city. So people are living all over. uh, But your 15 years and my 20 years, you know, I ultimately uh, uh, got married. Where was I guess I was still living in the village when I I was in New York magazine, living in the village, got married. And then we moved to the Upper West Side uh, to have the first kid and then out to Connecticut by 97. So I, I counted from 77 to 97. So I lived in New York for 20 years. And, uh, you know, nowadays, when people say, do you miss it? I say, you know, well, I had a great time, but I can't say I miss it.
1: Yeah, same here. I, um, when I've been back, it, it's so different. And it's kind of depressing. Like, the, I mean, it's, some of it is like there was one day I was there and I I, uh, I thought, Oh, I'll go, uh, I'll go to this diner. I remember. And I went to the diner. It wasn't there anymore. Right. You know, and, 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 <laughs> and
0: everything is under the scaffolding, like the entire, right? well, yeah, right.
1: is... yeah, I know. That's another bizarre thing. I know. And uh, it, you know, there were so many places where, you know, I was walking around one day and I remember it, uh Oh, geez. Being on this corner and talking to somebody one day or, you know, being, you know, one night bunch of us all met on that corner because we we're going somewhere or whatever but everything is different i mean it's just it it's not um you can't you know like you can't really miss it because it's just not there anyway so uh mm. you know but i mean that's fine nothing lasts i mean that's you know it's uh everything is transitory so uh, wow all
0: know. things must pass well now now that. we're all caught up about a period it was like from uh seventy six until we met at at Rolling Stone and overlapped apparently very briefly, you know it was like two years there and then what happened from there until uh, you know we both left the city or each left the city right?
1: yeah well, you know it I always tell people if you want to see the best representation of what New York really looked like at that time. Mm-hmm. You have to watch old Kojak reruns. <laughs> no, I'm being serious because Kojak was, most of Kojak would be filmed on sound stages in Hollywood. Right. But they would go to New York a few times a year and they would film Tele Savalas, like riding around, you know, with the thing on the top of the car, you know, yes. the, you, you remember, that was always like one of his signature moves. He'd take the, uh, the flashing the light and it had yeah. like a magnet. He'd stick it on the roof of the car. Right. And, uh, but they would, it, I mean, when you watch the show, it's like glaringly obvious when they're really on location in New York and when they're not, mm-hmm. but uh, you really see how like filthy, dirty and beat up the city was. That to me is like the, um, the, the most accurate representation of what the city actually looked like because mm. when a, whenever you see a movie today that's supposed to be set in new york at that time and i don't know it just doesn't look right you know mm. there's something about it
0: it's just you know. yeah well when i think of it i think of uh well you know the, all the places we talked about but also specifically Times square and that arcade with the uh Uh, you know with the fascination and the ski bowl and all the rest of that
1: oh playland yeah well that was a scary place yeah
0: i loved that and you could go also i think a couple blocks away was the uh what was the was it shrafts or what am i thinking of it was a a place where you could go in for that uh orange and lime sherbet concoction sit at the counter Uh, orange julius you mean no, no, no. I think it was Shrafts or some other.
1: Well, they used uh, yeah. There used to be Shrafts on. Like, oh no,
0: wasn't it like a corners. Hojo's Howard Johnson's? Wasn't there a Howard? Yeah, there Johnson's? was a Howard
1: Johnson's in Times
0: Square. Yeah. That's that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, the Howard Johnson's. Yeah. So that that's what I always think of from those days. But glad we could fill in some. Some reminiscences of New York days. So we'll (laughs) pick up again with our regularly scheduled program next time.
1: Yeah, there'll probably be some news that we can talk about. Uh, There's a chance of that. Okay, take it easy. Take care. Bye-bye.